Father, thank you for the time that we've had together this morning. Thank you for, um, oh, just thank you for everything, worship and fellowship, and, and thank you for this house, Lord God. Um, Lord, as we get into the word this morning, we pray that the word would get into us, Lord Jesus. We pray, Father God, we just give you this moment, and we pray that you would breathe life unto it, Lord God, that you would come and give us revelation and understanding, that you would come and transform us on the inside, Lord, that we wouldn't leave the same this morning, Lord God, that we would get what we need, that fresh bread, that fresh water that comes from your, th- your throne, Lord God, that it would fill us, Lord, so that we can be all that we can be for you, Lord God. Make us, mold us this morning, Lord. We know this is like coming into church is like coming into the the potter's house where you take us and we're clay and you start to mold and shape our lives. And, And so would you do that this morning, Father God? Would you mold, would you shape, would you bring direction and guidance to every life and every situation right here? Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you this morning. I pray your word would go forth to your people this morning, Lord. All of you, none of me, Father God. Humble myself before you, God. I throw myself at you this morning, God, and I lean not on anything, not on understanding or wisdom or gift or anything, but you this morning, Lord God. From you comes life, Lord. You have the, you, your words are spirit and life, Lord God. You have the words of life this morning, and that's what we need this morning. Not just the words of Wayne, Lord, the words of life this morning. So we, we consecrate this moment from distractions, Lord, over in our minds, in our hearts, around us, Lord. Lord, I thank you now just for protection over this moment. Accomplish what you want to accomplish with us, Lord, because we know you're coming back soon, Lord. Amen. All right, so last week I spoke about um, the breath of God. Um, and, uh, and just you, we looked at that dramatic, prophetic vision that Ezekiel had um, with a valley of dry bones. Do you remember the story? And I want to pick up on that story um, and, and talk about the breath of God, part two. And the emphasis this morning is um, that I want to talk about is, is skilled at being filled. <laughs> All right, last week I was kind of showing us the value of the breath of God and how we need to rely on the breath of God. And I want to reemphasize that this morning, but I want to talk about how it is that we are filled with the breath of God because we need the breath of God. Um, when we looked at Ezekiel's vision last week, there he was standing over this valley of dry bones and the, and the Spirit of God came to him and said, prophesy to the bones. And, uh, and something incredible happened. All the bones came together and bodies were formed and shape came and sinew and tendons and all those things happened. And there was, suddenly there was this, there were people there. You know, there, where before there was just bones that were dry. Now there was, there was beings that were there. All right. And then, but there was no life in them, the scripture says. And so the spirit says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, what I want you to do now is prophesy to the breath. You prophesied to the bones and you started to see things transform. What I want you to do is prophesy to the breath. Put a demand on the breath. Invite the Spirit of God. Invite the breath of God to come in. And then we read those verses where it says that God breathed on that valley and they became an exceedingly great host. Life filled them. And so we see like there's this two-part process where he, he prophesies to the bones and and, 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 and then he prophesies to the breath. And then we see this exceedingly great host that comes. And when, what, what's interesting about the first part is when he prophesies to the bones, 
is, is we see like order and shape come in. And I liken that to when we put our lives under the inspired preaching of God, under the inspired word of God. You know, when you bring your life and you start to submit it to the teaching, the inspired teaching of God, order comes to your life. You know, order comes to your marriage, to your finances. Things start taking shape. You start taking form. And, and you can start, you know, you, you become what God created you, intended you to be. And that's why it's so important that we sit under the inspired word of God. Amen, church? Nudge somebody this morning. I'm, I'm just checking that you're all awake this morning. Come on, nudge them and say, are you sitting under the word? Just make sure they're awake this morning, okay? Can you say amen? amen. Can you say, um, that's good? That's good. Can you go, aha? Uh-huh. Can you go, sure? sure? Okay, can you say them all together? Amen. Mm. Aha, uh-huh. sure. Some of you have got it, okay? Feel free to do that while I'm preaching. It's like a really encourages me, and it creates an atmosphere of faith, okay? So, this is not about, yeah. <laughs> it's important that when we, when we hear the word, we agree with the word. That we, that we don't, that we don't, you know what, we, we, we've got to get out of consumerist Christianity. Alright, this is not, this is not about consuming another good message right now. This is about you partnering with God's word. So God's word's coming. So you, you, you're playing a role here. You, this is not TV. Okay. TV is we just, <laughs> you know, it does all the work and we just, just consume. Okay. This, that, that is, that's not this moment. All right. In the Bible, there is this word called amen and it's let it be so. And it's an important word. You see it in the Psalms. You see it all over the New Testament. It, the word is there because the, there's a role that you have to play when you hear the word. And, and, it, and, and, it's, and it's to agree. It's to allow it in. It's to ponder it. It's to meditate on it. And so you've got a role this morning, okay? I don't want you to, to get into consumerism and, and TV mode, all right? Are you off the couch? Are you in church? Sure, there we go, okay. <laughs> so he then, so that's what happens. Our lives come together when we agree with the word and we start to partner with the word. Stuff starts to happen, like those bones coming together and forming people. Our lives come together and stuff happens and we, we start to learn how to do wealth and we do life and relationships and all that comes together. However, what we learned last week is this, is that we can, we can have all the shape and all the right things and say all the right things and do all the right things and attend all the right meetings, but we can be lacking the breath. We can be lacking the breath. And, and they were, they were, they, this valley had the form, but it didn't have the breath. And so I, the, the God wanted to make that, dis, that's, that distinction. He wanted to show Ezekiel that, that, the, the preaching and the word can cause things to come together. But if you want an army, if you want a, a, an exceedingly great host, then what you need is the breath of God, that spiritual breath, that life of God to come in. And the, the challenge that you know the modern church has today is this, is that we're, we're quite comfortable doing church without the breath. 
We're quite comfortable doing life without the breath. We have all the principles. We have all the, you know, we know the Apostles' Creed. We know our Bibles. We've done BFC, DMC, Advance. We, we've got all the, we've ticked all the boxes, the shape, the form is there. People look at you, yep, he's a Christian. You know, yep, he's probably going to heaven. You know, there, there's this, you're not, you're not, you're not living a debauched life anymore. Praise God. You know, praise God, we're not there anymore. You know, you're not like lost in confusion, wondering about your purpose anymore. You know, you kind of align. But, but, but it's possible that we can still be lacking and have all of that and, and lack the breath of God. And I feel like God is saying, guys, turn your eyes up. You've got a lot of form. I feel like we've got a lot of form as a church. You know, there's a lot of form in your life, but start to look up for the breath of God. You know, when the breath of God comes, man, you know, you might not think of yourself as an evangelist or a prayer warrior or a disciple maker or like a powerful, successful business entrepreneur or something. You might not think of yourself like that, but you with the breath of God in you, Listen, life as you know it changes. And I think this is, you know, I don't know what, what's, what, what the challenges are around us, why we challenge us in this area. Um, maybe it's because we don't have a vision or a picture of what God can do through us. Maybe it is that. Maybe we, we, don't, we, don't, we have no expectation, no idea, no concept of what is possible with the Spirit of God. And so we continue just to live conformed to the world. You know, we, we're better than that person, which we should be. We're not as holy as, you know, the, um, you know, Mac, you know, and on the guitar and everything. So I'm kind of, I'm all, I'm all right here, you know. I'm, we, find our, we find our space, you know, we've, and we measure ourselves amongst ourselves when we should be measuring ourselves against the Word, you know. And, 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 and so we, we don't have this concept Maybe, that's it. Maybe we don't have this concept of, of, of what we could be or what God could do, and therefore we don't put a demand on the breath of God. We don't lift up our expectation and say, God, you know, come. Come, Lord. Come do beyond what I can hope, dream, imagine, ask. Come do beyond that. You know, a lot of our faith is just faith for, for what we can actually do in our own strength. I'm going into a meeting. Lord, I trust that you, you that I'm going to be all right and, and I'm going to be okay in this meeting. And you know what? A lot of our faith is actually for what we actually, we can do in the meeting. Uh, um, the, is there an expectation for beyond what we can do? Is there an asking for that's more, you know? And, I, and to be honest, I'm convicted here as well. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been on a journey where, you know, last year, I don't know, God just started opening up prayer to me and just started showing me the value of prayer. And so I started to devote myself to a little bit more prayer. And then I got hungry for more prayer and more prayer. And, uh, and since that day, I think I've prayed more than I've ever prayed in my life actually, like just for the last eight months. And um, it's been an incredible experience that as I devoted myself to prayer, I've come to realize how dependent I was on my flesh. Um, 
You know, and, and if you had asked me eight months ago, <laughs> if you had to say, you know, are you way dependent? Are you trusting in God? Are you dependent on God? I would have given you this answer, and I'm embarrassed to say it, all right? I would have said, dude, I'm a pastor. I'm trusting God for finances. I'm trusting God for people's lives, for salvation, for my family. I'm fully dependent on God. You know, as far as it goes, I'm there. Now, after devoting myself to, to prayer, where, listen, it's very hard now to go through a day without interceding for an hour. You know, that's past quiet time. That's past time with my wife in prayer. That's past, you know, my own time. It's just to have that hour at least of just intercession. And, and, I, and since doing that, I've, I've come to realize how not dependent I am on the breath of God and how dependent I have been on my flesh. God's starting to show this to me. And as I started to pray, what's been interesting is he's starting to, I'm starting to see things. You know, this is what happens when you start to pray. You start to see things that aren't there, <laughs> as though they, you know, <laughs> there. And, and, and I've started to see possibilities of, of, of what God could do in my life, of what God could do in our church, of what God could do through some of you. I've started to, my eyes have started to be lifted to that. And when, as the more I see, the more I want to pray now. And so, and what I'm learning through this process, and I'm, I'm just a student here this morning, just sharing my journey, okay? And I hope it encourages you, is that as I've committed to prayer, I've started to see more. And as I've started to see more, I've started to pray more and hunger more and started to realize how dependent I am on the breath of God. God can do exceedingly above, beyond whatever you can hope, dream, or imagine. He can do that. That is his word. Your business, your family, your personal destiny, your calling in life, he can do exceedingly above and beyond whatever you can hope for, whatever you can dream for, whatever you can imagine. He can do way more than that. Amen? Good? He can do way more than that. Way more than that. And so our, our, and I just want to make you hungry for that is, that, is that, is that inside of you, you would start to have a stirring for, for that, for, for a life that's beyond what you can do in your own strength. I gave the illustration last week about a rowing boat and a sailboat, right? And you know, the, the, a rowing boat is, you can go through life in a rowboat. It's all your own strength. It's all your own energy. It's all your own thing. Or you can go through life as a sailboat, with <laughs> sailing, where, where a sail, you lift up your sail and you allow the wind to come through and propel your boat forward. I, I know it's possible to sail around the world alone. I don't think you can row around the world. I don't think anyone said, I'm going to row around the world alone. <laughs> All the best, champ. We'll, uh, we'll say your funeral right now, you know. <laughs> you ain't going to get far, you know, rowing uh, around the world. But you can go around the world sailing a boat. We've seen people do that. That is the difference of a spirit-filled life or a natural, carnal life, a life that's lived in your own strength. So I'm, I'm here to, to, to irritate you this morning, <laughs> to stop trusting in your flesh and start lifting up your eyes for what God could possibly do in your life. What could He do in your life? And it's a simple, that was a good breath right there. <laughs> It is, 
It is, and you know what, like, let's not make it super spiritual, okay? It is as simple as sitting. Some of you are straining, some of you. Oh, now the pulpit. It is as simple as sitting in your job and in your workplace, and instead of just going, I've got X amount of time, I've got this, or da 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 da, punching away on the computer, doing whatever you do, studying students, whatever, it's as simple as just going, hang on, let me pause. Holy Spirit, come fill me. Breath of God, I can do this assignment in my own strength. Breath of God, I can do this job in my own strength, but I'm choosing not to. I choose you. I choose a spirit-filled life. I choose you to come right now. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up and breathe through my work, through this office space, through this lecture hall right now. Just come, Holy Spirit, and invite him into our lives. It's as simple as that, you know? And... And, and, and that's the problem with the flesh, is that it doesn't like to pause. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's so proud. You know, I, I think the worst thing about the fall and, and Adam and Eve falling into sin, the worst thing about it was, was self-sufficiency. You know, self-reliance crept in, came in with sin. It's that pride that, you know, we, we just think we can live and do life without God. We think we can just... We can just, you know, we can do it. We can do it. And, the right, and, the, and we can. We can do a lot. Human beings can accomplish a lot. We can build high buildings, fast cars, tunnels, trains. You, we can do stuff in our own strength, all right? However, we can do a lot more with the breath of God going through us. And in fact, a lot of the inventions that we enjoy today, all right, go do some history. You'll find it was from men and women who were spirit-filled and said, Lord, I don't know how to solve this. Will you come? And breathe through me. <laughs> and God brings the solutions. And so I'm not only talking about like receiving the breath of God to become an evangelist or a disciple maker or a prayer warrior. Yes, we need to be those. But I'm also talking about receiving the breath of God to do our work, to do our job. You know, when in, in I think it's in Numbers 31, Bezalel, the, one of the guys, the craftsman who was making the, the, the tabernacle with Moses, it said the Spirit came upon him to give him skill and wisdom and insight in all manner of crafts. For gold, for working with silver, for working with fabric, for working with all sorts of things. The Spirit actually came on him and empowered him with creativity to do work. To do work. And that's, that's what the Spirit, the breath of God can be to us. Can we just have a pause for this morning? Can you just put your hands out like this in front of you? And I want you just to take a deep breath this morning and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come fill me. I just want to pray over you this morning. Just receive the breath of God. It's as simple as that. Holy Spirit, come. Maybe you're just thinking about your work and your situation this week, or maybe it's your family, your kids, or... I don't know what, what's going on in your world that's causing just anxiety or stress, lack of finance. Just us, Holy Spirit, come. With you, I can do anything. All that lack that's in front of me can go in a moment. 
You can give me wisdom. You can give strategy, Lord. Lord, I pray you come now and empower your church this morning. Come and empower every person here, Lord. Fill every person with your breath, Lord, to be all that you've created us to be. Some of you have got to the end of yourself and your ability. Some of you are in a place this morning, God's showing me, that you really feel like you're in a dead end. Like, I don't know what else to do. And I don't know how desperate it is or whatever it is, but I almost feel like God is saying to you this morning, it took me a while to get you here. <laughs> it took me a real while to get you here, and, and he's done it so he can, he can get your attention. He's been trying to get your attention. And, and what he's looking for from you in this moment is surrender. He's looking for you to surrender and say, God, I can't. I can't do it in my strength. I surrender to you. Come fill me with breath. Come fill me with ideas and wisdom to do this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just go into that circumstance right now and teach how to live in sync with you, Lord, devoted to you, surrendered to you. Mm. The All right, some of you... Come back. <laughs> Come back. Um, Evie, if you wouldn't mind just showing that Ezekiel scripture this morning. That valley of dry bones was transformed into an exceedingly great host. And that word there, I'm showing it again, is the word gail, all right? Gail in, in Hebrew. And it means a force, whether of men, means, or other resources. An army, it means wealth, valor, might, power, riches, strength, valiance, virtuous. Okay. And I really believe God wants to do that in our individual lives. He want, the breath of God can transform us into that. But I also want to say this morning, I really believe God wants to do that corporately for us this morning as well. Um, God is wanting to do something special and unique in our church. And what I'm seeing in prayer is, is an outpouring of His Spirit that's going to propel us for harvest, for healing, for amazing things. Um, but we must know, and the reason why we're doing these sermons is I really feel like God is trying to teach us to be a people that we could come together corporately and we would, we would start to put a demand on the breath of God, that we would start to speak to the Spirit and invite the Spirit to come. What would happen if we could just gather together and pray for the breath to come? And just really set our hearts on the breath of God. 
What, I, I imagine, you know, I think about the Clapham sect and I think about the Hebridean revivals and I think about Hernhut and the revivals that started in Germany and Hernhut and Azusa Street and all these things where, where, where actually it was just people who came together who understood the value of the breath of God and knew that they could be more with the breath in them than they could ever be in their own strength and surrendered and cried out for God's breath to come. And the result was the breath came and turned them into a force that changed the world wherever they went. This is the vision for our church. This is, this is what we're going after as a church. If we're going after this breath and, and that breath's going to come and it's going to fill us and make us into a mighty force in the city of Durban. There's a good like 10 amens there. That's awesome. I got 10. Change the world with 10. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, where am I? Okay. Sure. Skilled at being filled. All right. Skilled at being filled. Why... Let's, let's, uh, let's go to John 7. If you've got John 7, you can go there. Um, just some practicals this morning. Skilled at being filled. When we take the story of God transforming this valley of dry bones into an exceedingly great host, and we apply it or we transpose it and put it onto the, to the early church, we see some incredible similarities in that those early disciples were like those bones. They were scattered and afraid and hiding behind locked doors. And then Jesus came and appeared to them and he breathed on them. And then they went and they gathered more people together and they began to pray and seek God. And then God poured out his spirit in Acts 2. And then they became an exceedingly great host. They became this incredible army that changed Jerusalem, that changed the known world. And they would have this, this pattern of keep coming back and receiving from God and going out and receiving from God. And God was pouring out His Spirit on them. And what we, what we learn from that early church is just a couple principles that I want us to grasp this morning about being skilled in being filled. And the first is this, is that they had soft hearts. Okay? The first thing that they had was soft hearts. Their, their hearts were available to God. Their hearts were soft and pliable. They weren't hard, obstinate, stuck in their own ways. They were open to God. That was the first thing. And if we want to be filled with the breath of God, we have to have a soft heart, a heart that is open to God. And we must know that the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is not a force or a power that we can manipulate or get to do our own thing. He is God. He is our God. And it's not about Him submitting to our plans and our agendas. It's about us submitting to Him and His plan and agendas. And so we have to have the right mindset when we're asking for the breath. We're not asking so that we can get Him to do what we want to do. We're asking Him to come and, we're, and there's a soft heart in us that says, whatever you want to do now. You know, this like, you know, I was, I was, yesterday I was just, you know, in, in a time of preparation and prayer and God spoke to me about doing something and I was like, 
Lord, I can do that later. <laughs> and I go, whoa, hang on, Wayne, you're talking about the breath of God tomorrow. <laughs> you're talking about having a soft heart. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he wanted me to go and reach out to somebody. So I went and reached out to somebody, and it was awesome. But we miss so many moments like that because we don't have the soft heart. We're on our own time and agenda. And we, you know, the Holy Spirit interrupts things. And we don't want to be interrupted, let's be honest. <laughs> we like things just to go according to plan. Like, hey, if I invite God in now, what is he going to tell me to do today? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he might ask me to go and speak to that person. Woo, okay, so let me just not ask God and get through my day and go, and then have this fake sort of relationship with God. I love you, I serve you, you know, you are the air I breathe, you know. But, but really, you know what I mean? We, where is this heart that's, that's soft and ready to go for him. You know, that's that heart that says, you're in charge, not me. I, I'm, I'm willing to do what you want me to do in this moment. Um, and, and what the thing is about, because he's a person, right, we can grieve the person of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, it talks about, don't grieve the spirit with whom you've been sealed. You know, and grieve, what do you mean grieve the spirit of God? Well, we grieve the spirit of God when we live contrary to the ways of God. When we, when we live in a way that, that, that is obstinate or a way that is like our own agenda, not you, God, we grieve Him. And it's possible to grieve Him. And so often, what I, when I have my pause moments, it's like, Holy Spirit, I start by saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I haven't been thinking about you, and I haven't been thinking about your kingdom right now. But I'm taking this moment, and I ask you to come and fill me with your mind and your will right now. which requires us to surrender, requires us to submit to Him. Look at some of these attributes that either attract or repel the Holy Spirit. There's a table that will come up for you this morning. Hmm. Okay, don't worry. Um, Humility attracts the Holy Spirit. Unity attracts the Holy Spirit. Desire attracts him. Desperation attracts him. Um, there we go. And the opposite is pride, division, indifference, complacency. Purity attracts him. Sin repels him. And so what we need to do is when we start our relationship with him, we, we, we apologize for all the pride and indifference and the sin in our lives. And we say, I'm sorry. Will you come and will you fill me so that we don't grieve him? Okay. And, and so these are the things, sensitivity, honoring, thanksgiving, reverence, prayer. These things attract the Spirit of God in our lives. Um, on the issue of desiring the Holy Spirit, Derek Prince said the following. There's a quote which will come up for you. It says, One of the essential conditions for receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit is to be hungry and thirsty. God does not squander His blessings on those who feel no need for them. Many professing Christians who lead good, respectable lives, outside, outside, never receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit simply because they feel no need for it. They're satisfied without this blessing, and God leaves them that way. I think that's true. I mean, I, I can honestly agree with that when I, in my life. I can see that in my life, you know. And maybe you can see that in your life, too. Is that, it's, you know, it's very possible because... The way sin has like bent us is that, is that we start to live our lives by ourselves. 
and, and we start to forget that Christianity is this relationship with God, this, this continual. Jesus was saying, I'm always, you know, talking with my Father. I'm always doing my Father's work. I'm always in, in tune with my Father and what my Father wants. It's, that is actually the Christian life, is that we do life with God. It's not, a, it's not a solo thing. It's not a, we're going on our own, okay? Um, so, so we see this in the early church, just this humility. They, they're always repenting. They're always submitting their hearts, the soft heart before God. So that's number one. Tell somebody next to you, what's, what's number one? Soft heart. Number two <clears throat> this morning, and this is it, is a devotion to prayer and mission. A devotion to prayer and mission. I'll start talking about a devotion to mission. Um, this word devoted, all right, what we see in this early church is they were devoted to mission. The word devoted means this. It means dedicated, committed, constant, steadfast. The opposite is erratic, distant, cold, platonic, and indifferent. Okay? When I say they devoted themselves to mission... It means they dedicated, committed, they were constant, they were steadfast, they had given themselves to mission. They were devoted to mission. And you know, this, the illustration I have here of um, just that sailboat is when you look at that sailboat, it's full, that sail is, that boat, that sail is filled with the wind and it's powering through the water. You know, if you want to sail a boat... What you need to do is you put your sail up in the direction that the wind is blowing. All right? You, you position your sail in the way that the wind is going to be moving. And then your sail will fill with wind and you will be propelled forward. You, if the wind is blowing north and you're setting up your sail for east, it's going to ripple and flop around. You have to turn it into the wind. All right, so that the wind can come behind it and propel it forward. And it's the same with this. It's like if we want the, the breath of God to blow into our lives, we have to position our lives for mission. We have to position for mission. I like that, okay? Are you, are you positioned for mission? Why? Because that's where the Spirit is going. That's where God's Spirit is going. We, uh, feel with, I mean, Fifi... <laughs> Where is she this morning? Fifi, there. Yeah. She read that, that scripture, Isaiah, that, that's in, in Luke. She read that scripture in Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord God, the spirit of the Lord God, the breath of God is upon me to do what? Preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to release captives, proclaim liberty to the captives, and open the prisons for those who are bound, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Why was the Spirit on Jesus? It was to accomplish mission. It was, the Spirit was there for a reason. It was there to preach good news. Alright, to bring encouragement, to bring life, to encourage people, to speak up for people. It was there to heal broken hearts. How many broken hearted people are around us every single day? You know, I, just at the till yesterday at the bakery, this woman looks so down. I see her all the time. And, and she just looked defeated. And I was like, what's wrong? You know? And she was like, I've just lost someone close to me. And I was just able just to minister to her. That's, that's being positioned for mission. Yeah. 
We are rare of the broken hearts around us. The captives, we heard a testimony about captives, you know. The breath of God isn't there just so we can shake, shiver, and go, hallelujah, brother, that was an awesome service. The breath of God is there for mission. So you have to position for mission. Is your And this church, they were devoted to mission. The great commission was not a great suggestion for them. It was something that they gave their lives to. And so what we need to do is turn our lives into mission fields, people. You have to see your job, your career, your campus, whatever, your res, where you live, your neighborhood. This is my mission field. And you have to start thinking, how can I uh, take each person around me one step closer to Jesus? How can I be a blessing? How can I declare the acceptable year of the Lord for people? How can I be a blessing and sow seed into people and encourage people? You finished a good book? Give it to somebody. (laughs) Pass it on. Turn your life into a mission field. And what you find as you do that, the breath of God starts to blow and you'll fill your sail. So that's number one. They were devoted to mission. And then they were devoted to prayer as well. You know, it's very easy that prayer can become an extra in our lives. Like, I don't know if you were in school plays. Did you do school plays? Like, I never got a lead role. I was always an extra <laughs> in the school. I was in the crowd. I was the crowd. You know, the crowd see, just extra. It didn't mean I got to play lots of different roles. So in this role, I was like, you know, one of the shoppers. And then, you know, I'd go backstage and then I'd get changed into something else. And then, you know, play another role, be a tree, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, I was never any sort of lead role in anything, you know. They just didn't see my talent back then, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> It's possible, it's possible that, you know, when we look at what Christianity has given us and what Jesus has given us, that prayer becomes an extra, becomes an additional. It's like an option. It's like prayer is, it's like, it's for those, that group in the church, you know that group in the church, they love to pray and they're all spiritual and they see pictures and they, you know, that, I'm not really that. So, so we have a prayer ministry and and those people pray and it's an extra. It's like, I've got other things to do. You know, there's other things in the church I can be involved. I can be involved in kids. I can be there. But prayer is this extra. And, and this church did not make prayer an extra. They made it the thing. The thing. So whether I'm doing kids ministry or youth or whatever else, it's prayerful. All right? It's prayer first before we do that thing. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I'm not talking about like having a good quiet time, right? That's, that's like non-negotiable. That's like your life. You, you wake up, you spend time with God before you go to bed, whenever you do it, right? But you spend time with God. I'm talking about devoting yourself to prayer. When you start to pray for things beyond your life, (laughs) when you start to pray for the kingdom to come, Jesus taught us to pray, die that will be done on earth. He wants to bring a kingdom. How does it come? It comes through prayer. So we pray the kingdom onto earth, all right? All right, that kingdom come. So I'm talking beyond just your quiet time. I'm talking about devoting yourself to prayer. This is what these guys did. Pete Gregg's church in the UK, they devoted themselves to prayer. Look at, look at what he said, man. Check out, this is so powerful. I want you to see this. He said, what our nonstop prayer room was all about was a busy church finally exhaling, making a little space for God. 
And much to our surprise, when we eventually did make that space, he accepted the invitation almost immediately. Sometimes in those days, I wondered just how long the Lord had been standing on the church doorstep ringing the bell before we stopped doing Christianity long enough to let him in. So this is what happens when we devote ourselves to prayer, when we make prayer the main event. Intercession, we, we encourage you to be there. I just want you to know it is the main event. Yeah. Not this moment now. Yeah. Okay? Prayer is the main event. From now on in this church, prayer is what we do. Yeah. We devote ourselves to prayer. Amen? All right. Look at, look, at, look at what else he said. Pete Craig said this. He said, this is so encouraging. That's why if our mission to the city of Durban is to be more than marketing campaign, <laughs> Come on, let's just pause on that. We can market. We can do marketing, okay? Marketing's great. If our acts of Christian mercy are to be anything more than well-meaning social work, we can just get stuck in doing social work. We can, all right? If, but, but there's something more that our social work can accomplish, okay? If our churches are to be something other than religious clubs, if our voice is to ring out with the authority of prophetic dissonance in contemporary culture, if miracles are to multiply, if the gospel is to be preached with signs following it, if the kingdom of God is truly to be not a matter of talk but power, if our faith is to be real, deepening, conversational relationship with the living God, then we must discover how to pray. Because prayer is what makes all of that real and possible. Not our own strength. Remember, this is what I'm trying to get into this morning. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. That we would be people this morning. Church, come on. That we would be people who expect the spirit of God. That our eyes are on the spirit of God. Lord, you can do more. You can do more than I can imagine, hope, dream, ask. Come on, let's get to the end of our lives and have testimonies. Let's get to the end of our time and, and talk about what God did in Durban, man. Can you imagine Daniel and I sitting in heaven talking about, yo, and remember when revival hit Point Road? Remember that, yeah, that guy that was there in the church and then that whole block got saved? And do you remember those like healings that were happening? Do you remember that truck that had to come and take the wheelchairs out of church? Remember that? You know, come on, let's have some testimonies. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have it if we're like that earlier quote, that, that thing that I read up. Where, 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 where we, where we not, can we just go back to that? Prince, no, the other one. Derek Prince. That first one. First or second slide. Third, third, there we go. Hungry and thirsty. God does not squander his blessings on those who feel no need for them. Many professing Christians who lead good, respectable lives never receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit simply because they feel no need for it. They are satisfied without this blessing. God leaves them that way. I don't I just want nothing to do with that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm just like, no. No, 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 no. Amen? Amen. Cap, let's stand to your feet. Let's, let's stand up. Let's stand up. I'm going to finish with Acts 10 this morning. Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to read the first five verses of Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea. Can you just read that that, that first line? There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Can you say, there was Wayne living in Durban? Just put your name in there. 
Okay, you did it, all right? Okay, and he was a centurion. You can put your career in there. Okay, whatever it is. Of the Italian regiment, working for whoever you're working for. Okay. And then you can, look at this, a devout man. One who feared God with all his household. That sounds like a soft heart. Amen? Devout, fearing God. It's that soft heart, open to God. With all his household, not just him, but his household, who gave alms generously to the people. In other words, he had a passion for the poor and helping the poor. This man was on mission. He was devoted to mission. Okay? And he prayed to God always. He was devoted to prayer. So we're seeing soft heart. We're seeing devotion to mission. We're seeing devotion to prayer. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, God responds with an angel. Come on. (laughs) He was so attractive. What he was doing, the culture, the environment that he was creating around his life, this devoutness, this devotion to prayer, this devotion to mission, it was, it was coming to God that God could not ignore it anymore. God was, could not ignore it. About the ninth hour, an angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your arms, your life, the way you're living, have come up, before, come up for a memorial before God. In other words, God cannot ignore this anymore. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. What happened after that? Peter came to his house, started to share the gospel with him and all his neighbors. And before Peter could even finish preaching, the breath of God fell in Cornelius' house. Revival broke out there. The, the breath of God came and they was prophesying and people got saved. And after that, they had a mass water baptism that took place. The breath of God came because this guy could not be ignored by heaven. And I want to say, we put your name in there and your career in there because you, that can be your testimony this morning. That can be the testimony for your life. So you can build like that a soft heart. You can have a devotion to prayer and a devotion for mission. Like I'm really devoted to mission. And I can tell you now, the breath comes for that. So I want to say, let's be that. Amen? Amen. Father, we, we come before you this morning. We thank you. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Create in us a clean heart, Almighty God. Create in us a clean heart, Lord God. Soft hearts, Lord Jesus, responsive to you, Lord. Devoted to the Great Commission, Lord. Devoted to prayer, Lord. Not treating it as an extra in our lives, Lord. Come, Lord, this is inspired word this morning. Would it click us into place, Lord? Would it bring shape to our lives and form to our lives and, and help us, Lord, be, get together? so that we can start being positioned for this breath that you're talking about. Because we want the breath, Lord. We're hungry for the breath this morning. Come breathe afresh on us, Lord God.